Hi everyone, Ian Gardner here. I absolutely love this job. I particularly love meeting incredible founders. And today we've got a real special treat for you. Ben Thompson is the founder and CEO of Employment Hero, which is Australia's newest unicorn. They recently announced a funding round of $181 million, valuing the firm at $1.25 billion. Ben is like, just to be honest, just about all of my guests, a sponge for learning. And he's also, like me, not all our guests, I don't think, a massive space nerd, which we get into. But most of all, Ben is hugely passionate about his business and how they are impacting the almost 100,000 customers they work with. It's all about employment. And that is a massive part of the world economy, funnily enough. Um, I think he said 52% of world GDP is spent on wages within SMEs, which is his target audience. So pretty big market when you think about it. Right, that's enough preamble for me. Let's go and hear from Ben Thompson. All right, we are here with Ben Thompson. Ben, welcome. Thank you, Ian. Great to be here. No, it's amazing. I, I think I've known you for, I don't know, 10 years or so. We don't know each other that well, uh, but your journey is fantastic. I mean, part of the reason that I got you on, apart from us uh, geeking out around space, which we'll probably get onto later, uh, is you were in the press recently because Employment Hero, Hero is now a unicorn. I don't love that expression, but it got you in the press. Uh, so yeah, you're worth a billion dollars. Um, why don't you just quickly tell us a bit more about Employment Hero and what stage the business is at? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm not worth a billion dollars, unfortunately. But, um, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> the, uh, our investors think that Employment Hero is worth well more than, well north of a billion dollars, uh, which is great. Um, let me tell you a little bit about how uh, Employment Hero came to be because it explains where we're, what we're doing and, and, and our ambitions for what we're doing. Um, what happened was I was at a, I was uh, a lawyer, a technology lawyer working during the dot-com boom in London and working in fintech before it was known as fintech, came back to Australia to start an, a technology law firm. Um, but my father, who had been in HR for his whole career and owned a small HR consultancy business, to his, to his credit, he lined me up with some meetings with his clients, all small and medium-sized business owners, just to say my son's a lawyer, he might be able to help you with something, go and have coffee. And this is 20 years ago. This is in 2002. And um, so I went and had coffee with all these small business owners and said, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. Do you have any issues? What are the things that keep you awake at night? Where can I help? And I heard exactly the same response from every single business owner, which was, I went into business because I loved, you know, um, my restaurant, I'm cooking food, I'm a restaurant, you know, I own a restaurant or I own service stations or whatever. But what I spend all my time doing is managing employment and it's really, really hard. It takes 80% of my time finding people, managing people, terminating people, paying people. It's, it just takes ridiculous amounts of my time and it's not why I'm in business. And if you can help me with that, then that would be doing me a great favor. That then turned me into an employment lawyer from a technology lawyer, and I started helping people around employment. And after about three or four years of being a, an employment lawyer, I went back and thought about, well, how can we do this better with technology? I can only be in court, you know, for one client a day. Um, but if I use technology, I can provide preventative solutions, compliance solutions. I can manage employment in better ways with a technology platform. So you were working, sorry, interrupt, in the litigation side? So you're actually- I was doing everything. I mean, it was my own law firm. It still okay. exists today. Um, so yeah, that, that um, it's, yeah, it's still being run. It's part of one of my businesses called Employment Innovations. And um, yeah, we'd end up 
doing unfair dismissal disputes. We'd do enterprise agreement making, you know, everything. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I, I actually read the article "Why Software Will Eat the World" and realized Mark Andreessen. Yeah. Uh, and I realized, well, I'm running one of these services businesses that's going to be replaced by technology. And therefore I better become a technology business and, and put my own business out of work. Uh, I've this never been successful. Early. So this must be what, mid 2000s, 2005? Yeah, 2006, six, seven. Wow. Yeah. That's early. Yeah. And, uh, and so start, yeah, so started, um, a, the, a, a technology business, which became employment hero and keypay. Um, uh, along the way, we also started employment innovations, which was like a services business for, for employers, which still runs today is, um, a great business all over Australia and also started another business called power to motivate, which is an employee reward and recognition business as well as customer loyalty. Um, so yeah, back in the period of from about 2005 to 2000 and 12 is a blur trying to do three startups concurrently um, was, yeah, it was, it was really, really tough. It, it, it's responsible for my gray streaks. <laughs> I don't see, well, you've got a, a cap on, so I can't tell <laughs> whether you're as bold as me or not, but uh, you know, you're looking pretty good for it. Uh, I mean, maybe let's just jump forward to now. Like, I mean, what stage is Employment Hero at and where are the other businesses at as well? Yeah, sure. So Employment Hero is, um, we now have 80,000 SME customers, we're managing, helping the, our clients, so those employers manage 750,000 employees who get paid and managed through our technology every month. Um, so average about 10 employees per business? Yeah. It's uh, smaller on the key pay end and, and larger on the Employment Hero end. Okay. Um, I should probably just add that Employment Hero does everything from from finding talent to managing talent to paying talent. It's, it's everything. It's called employment hero because it's employment management, not just, you know, pieces. It, it does the whole, the whole bang. Yeah, um, I should disclose that Innovation Bay has just become a customer too. So we've signed up and oh, we just started rolling it out to our 10 staff. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So far, uh, so good. So there's no complaints. Excellent. So, Great to hear. Let me know if you have, if you need any. Yeah, I will. I know where to come. It's yeah, awesome. Come straight to the man and I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll move mountains for you. Um, yeah, so we've got 750,000 monthly active users, 80,000 SMEs on the platform. We're in Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Malaysia, UK. Um, yeah, it's, it's going gangbusters. So you've had to obviously deal with the jurisdictions there. I mean, how difficult was it to, to get out of Australia? Uh, it wasn't as hard as, it's, yeah, it's probably a bit of a long-winded answer because we, we expanded into New Zealand and Singapore and Malaysia and the UK during COVID, and we did it all remotely. Um, we couldn't get on a plane, uh, but we believed that we could do do it successfully as a remote business, and we did. We established ourselves and made some good headway. But only two weeks ago was the first time I actually flew into Singapore since we've had established there, and then onto the UK. And whilst we've done okay in those regions. There's nothing like having feet on the ground, that visceral sense of the different smells, seeing the advertising your competitors are doing, seeing um, just understanding the dynamics of the market that you can never get unless you're there. Um, so, yeah, we did manage to do all of that remotely. Uh, KeyPay, 
um, had been over in the UK for a few more years before Employment Hero and and had feet on the ground there. And sorry, Keypay is one of the products within Employment Hero, is that? Yeah, so Keypay, Keypay is a is a payroll and workforce management technology. Um, it was founded in 2008 by four co-founders, technical co-founders. I was the I was the seed investor into that business. Gotcha. I didn't get and um, and only recently w- Employment Hero acquired KeyPay. I already owned a third of it, and so it we, it was just over time we wanted to 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 get into a position where we could Employment Hero could own all of it, which happened in December last year. Yeah. When I advise startups about getting out of Australia, like one of the things I'll often say, especially when it comes to the US, is that it's really hard to to grow your startup or launch a new overseas operation unless one of the founders moves there. Um, but you've managed to do it without that. So, like, how were there any challenges around that? Because you always were, you were unable during COVID to send staff over, so you had to do the entire thing remotely. I mean, that sounds yeah. superhuman. Uh, I wouldn't say it's superhuman. I, I mean, we are a remote first business, so. We weren't before COVID. We now have 550 employees globally. Um, before COVID, we had about 200. So more than, more than half of our staff have been recruited whilst we've been remote first. And we really forced ourselves to go remote first and stick to it. And we've adopted a lot of practices to make us a remote first business. So launching into a new company as a remote first business, I think is a lot easier than when you have this expectation that you need to be physically there. And as I say, we've done well. We've managed to get the businesses up and running. We've got good clients, good uh, volume of clients in all of those markets. But having been there over the last few weeks, nothing compares to actually being there yeah. and having feet on the ground. And 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 I think you can be a much more... Um, a much more, a much stronger competitor when you're literally on the ground in market. Uh, and just, I want to sort of maybe dig in a little more in this overseas piece because it's, it's fascinating that you've done it uh, remotely. So, I mean, you've got operational challenges, i.e., hiring staff and just managing the business. Uh, you've got technical challenges that have thought, you know, um, where your servers are, where your infrastructure is, uh, you know, what the platform language. But you've also got jurisdiction, so the the legals will be different in Malaysia to the UK. I mean, how? Which of those challenges were the hardest for you? Uh, jurisdictional isn't that big a deal. So we focused on Commonwealth countries. Like being a, a lawyer, that we sort of knew that the English legal system meant that a lot of the employment laws, at least the basis for the employment laws, was similar. So uh, Singapore. Um, New Zealand, Australia, UK was relatively easy. Where we needed to, in say, for example, Malaysia, we we partnered with a local lawyer, employment law firm, and and built out what we needed to there. Payroll in all those markets is obviously very technical and very different. The way that leave is managed, um, the way that tax is managed, obviously has to be developed, and um, we've spent. A, that's probably been the hardest part is making sure that we've accommodated all of the localization for some of those technical aspects of payroll and leave management in all of those markets. 
can't remember what else. What, what, what were the other things that could have been so hard? operational, technical, jurisdictional? Operational hasn't. It, it's like we say, we're remote first business, so operational wasn't that difficult. Jurisdictional, um, yeah, some aspects of employment are quite localized and takes a lot of effort. Um, yeah, I think. I think what was the last one? Uh, uh, technical or technical. In what way? Like development? Just, yeah, I, I, yeah, the development, maybe the language piece, uh, where your servers are, whether you got legal yeah, data. That, yeah, that's been a that's been a, a fair bit of work. Um, we inter- we we created we changed our platform into a multilingual platform, so we're now available in seven or eight languages. That that was a fair bit of upfront work, but once you've done one language, it's easy to do the yeah. the, the following ones, um, and. GDPR has been, you know, is always a pain. We've now got to have, we've got our servers in the UK. We've got servers in Asia. We've got services in Australia. We've, we're constantly, um, are, are refining. You, are you on a single cloud provider? Uh, yeah, we do. We're, we're using AWS in all markets. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, know a bit about that one. So yeah, that's, uh, as that's you good. Would. Yeah. Uh, no, so that's, that's amazing. Um, let me ask about market size because uh, 80,000 SME customers is a lot, but your market size is obviously bigger than that. I mean, how how, how do you think about this uh, and how big could you get? Yeah. So it comes back to the those, those coffees that my dad set up for me in 2002 where I went and spoke to those business owners and they all said the same thing. In, being an employer is really hard. It is. I, just um, it's worth noting that, you can you can start you, almost any other type of um, business, even a let's call it let's just think about landscape gardening. To set up a landscape gardening pe- business in Sydney, you have to have different certifications. You need to pass different qualifications to be able to move soil and plants from one side of a yard to the other. But to become an employer. You don't have to have any qualifications. There's no expectation that you have any specific skills. But the day you become an employer is the day you become personally liable for the health and wellness and compliance of every person who works for you in terms of employment-related compliance. And it's hard to do it all. Now, in my career, I don't think I've ever met anyone who owns their own business that says employing people is easy. It's not. It's hard. Then think about this, on, on, on the planet, on, on earth, there's 99% of all businesses on this planet are SMEs. 100% of those SMEs find employing people difficult. Paying people on time, compliantly, finding people, managing people, building a successful business requires you to do dozens and dozens of things perfectly and repeatedly. They all need help doing it. So our TAM... Our target, you know, market is effectively ninety nine percent of businesses on Earth. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I'm laughing because if a startup comes to to me with my VC hat on, pitches that you're like, well, and we only need one percent of that. And, uh, you probably run the numbers, and you're a long way from one percent, even with eighty thousand. I'd have thought. Uh, yeah, domestically in Australia, we're we're starting to climb into the sort of um, early early digits. Yeah. Um, probably getting closer to sort of so there's um, 11 million employees in Australia, I think. Um, so we'll we'll shortly tip over a million. So we'll be close to employing 
10% of all Australians through our technology That's amazing. very shortly. Um, but yeah, look, the, the fact of the matter is we exist to make employment easier and more valuable for everyone. Everyone that owns a small business needs help in managing employment. There's no one that we, you know, that we don't want to help. So, you know, this, there's, this is a very, 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 very big target market. Yeah. Uh, and we should probably finish this. I want to get onto your background and uh, geek out in space, but uh, with the other two businesses you mentioned, like what happened with, these are the ones you founded around that 2005. Where are they at? Yeah. So Employment Innovations is still running. Um, Shane Duffy, the CEO, um, has worked with me for well over 10 years. Um, so he started as a HR graduate and, and has become the CEO and is doing a great job running employment innovations. It's now in New Zealand. It's got, it, um, represented all over Australia. It's a, about a $20 million ARR business. Um, it's very successful. I'm very happy. Software? With it. All software? Uh, it uses employment hero and keypay, yeah. all the software that we've created. It, it's a tech enabled services business. It does employment law still. Recruitment, um, HR consulting, payroll bureau, basically ev- all the services to run an HR department. It's like, imagine it like a hub and spoke model where employment innovations is the ultimate HR department yep. that businesses can tap into. Uh, so is it almost like outsourced? Yeah, it's HR? like outsourced. In, it's like an outsourced HR department. Awesome. Yeah, including um, migration and legal and everything. So if, if things get difficult, then we've got the expertise internally to help. And, and is that is, is employment innovation gone out and raised funds, or has that been self-generated? No, that's all bootstrapped from that's day amazing. one. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, and, the, and the third one, power to motivate. Um, that again is a twenty million ARR business. We've started it. It's funny. I won't go too deep into the backstory, but we we started that during two thousand and seven when um, the Australian employment market was deregulated because with this very unpopular legislation called work choices. And um, we thought, geez, if they take away all the awards, Australian businesses are going to have to start paying for performance. You know, you're going to have pay people based on how good they are, which is unique, isn't it? Yeah. And um, they're not very, we've never been able to do that before. So the idea was that we'd create a piece of software to help people pay and reward people for their performance. And about three weeks after we created, we launched the business, the um, legislation was repealed. And so we couldn't work with small businesses. It just wasn't going to work. The, the award system was back. But we discovered that big companies, big employers need a lot of help to engage and reward and recognize their employees. So we started working with Jetstar and ANZ Bank and all these huge corporates. And, and then we went on to expand internationally where all over Europe, all over Southeast Asia, we run the after sales service program for for um, Mercedes, for Ford, for all sorts of different huge multinational companies, and um, and what happened was it sort of it it's got away from that SME focus that you know all of my other businesses are really committed to, and so I sold um, I sold Power to Motivate last year, and that's provided me with a really healthy exit um, and allowed me to focus more on an employment hero. Uh, as exclusively, really, that's where I spend ninety nine point nine percent of my time yeah, on employment hero. So it's such a great story. Before we move on, I got one more question. Like, because when you know, again, I'm spending a lot of time advising 
you know, baby using quote marks founders who have not done it before. And if they come in and say, Look, I'm thinking of starting three businesses all at the same time, who are a bit uh, all different. And I'm sure you're getting into this phase. I mean, you're, you're younger than me, I think, but uh, you're advising businesses, I suspect. And if they come to you and say, hey, Ben, I'm thinking of launching three businesses, what would you say to them? Just focus on one. Yeah. So <laughs> if, don't do what I did. Right. So hindsight, you would not have done all three. I don't think I had any choice in the matter. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm driven by what excites me and everything that I was doing was exciting. And, um, you know, if, you know, if, if you've got the energy and, and it really excites you and you think that there's a future in each of the th- ideas that you have, then don't let anyone tell you not to do it. Um, the probability of being successful in three businesses simultaneously is very low, but, um, unless you're really talented. <laughs> no, or lucky. Um, <laughs> that's what all the or, talented, or actually, no, all talented people say. <laughs> no, no, no. Or you surround yourself with really good people. Like that's, that's yeah. my thing. You know, oh, most part of the talent. Yeah. Most of the people who I started working with, uh, well, not most, but a lot of the people who I've been, who, who were around when I started my first business in 2002 are still working with me. You know, um, people, Demetra, who's, I think she's, She's been employed as long as, like, longer than I have. My dad actually employed wow. her in his business That's before crazy. I even started my business. Um, Shane, Amanda, Sharon. I've got uh, just the greatest group of people around me who have just contributed so much to the success of this. It wasn't me. Yeah. It was, it was the team. Yeah. Anyway, it's an amazing story. Um, wouldn't mind finding a little bit more about you, Ben, and just how you managed to get to this point. So, I mean, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to uni? How'd you end up in, uh, where was it you said you were for a long time? London? No. London, I was there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I grew up in Sydney, um, uh, in French's Forest. Um, got to year 10, living, living or going to school on the northern beaches and managed to sort of my parents were starting to question what I was doing. Um, were you a good student? N- not, not at that point. Not in year ten. My marks were bad. I was getting myself into trouble. And um, if you ask teachers, year ten are the nightmare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. I just would not have the patience. Anyway, mum and dad said, "Look, I think you, you could do better than what you're doing. Maybe you should change schools. Um, we can afford to send you to these private schools, but." We, we'd also be happy to send you to boarding school if you felt like going. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to go to boarding school. Like, let's give it a crack, see what happens. And, and so I got, I, I got shipped off with, with my enthusiastically to Armadale to a school called the Armadale School, a boys boarding school, which oh, is nice. now a co-ed boarding school where my daughter goes to school. And, um, and went from there to, uh, excelled in year 11 and 12. Like once I was, you know, new mum and, you know, the thing was I knew mum and dad were spending every cent they had to send me to school and give me the best education. And so I had to just dedicate my, my time and my brain to doing the best I could. And I did reasonably well in my HSC and got into law and economics at UNE, which was just down the road from school. And so I spent another five and a half years in Armadale. So I ended up spending seven and a half, eight years in Armadale. So I feel like yeah. I'm from Armadale, from the country, although my wife who is from Armadale tells me that unless you're born there, you can't claim to be <laughs> from there. Um, and uh, yeah, did economics and law, loved uh, loved law, didn't really like economics that much. Came back to Sydney 
and um, thought I wanted to be a, a financier and, and work in the finance industry. Started working at the Sydney Futures Exchange okay. um, on the floor initially and then eventually in the exchange itself as a derivatives lawyer, which is drier than it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Also doesn't really do much. I mean, I sometimes scratch my head about, you know, derivatives, um, you know, creation and trading. It's, it's not adding any value to the world. Not really, no. And like my job was to um, make sure that there were agreements in place between the Chicago Exchange and the Sydney Futures Exchange and the Auckland Exchange. Like, oh my and God, it, that sounds dull. It's so yeah. dull. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's so dull. And then I went from there to Perpetual uh, and actually had a great time there. Um, Graham Bradley, um was CEO when I was there. He's a really great CEO. And he was doing mergers and acquisitions. And I was like this this young, basically graduate, who got to follow follow these guys around and watched MA happen and got some really good exposure to to that side of business. And then eventually got on a plane um, to London in 99, which was the peak of the dot-com bubble, and and worked for a company called Interactive Investor International. My wife was in recruitment. So she it was lucky that she could find me the, the juiciest roles and she'd drop me into these good roles. So I went to Interactive Investor International, which um, IPO'd while I was there. I was in-house counsel. So I had to run the IPO process, um, which was interesting, like right during the dot-com boom. And, uh, and then we were also running things like the last minute, which is a travel um, and experiential Lastminute.com, yeah. yeah. I knew the founders there. Yeah, yeah right. Sort of so my, yeah. I was um, helping them with their IPO. And then I went from there to Assert a Home. That is a, a, um, a, a home buying portal, which became Rightmove, which is the largest property portal in the UK. Yeah. So it's just, you know what that, you were old enough to know yeah, what that time there, was yeah. like. It was so exciting. There's so many, just so much energy and money was flying around and you, you were given permission to just go out and start businesses and, and run hard. And that's what we enjoyed doing. And you know, we partied hard and we, and we worked hard and it was a great time. And then, my wife and I got married and decided that we wanted to raise our family back in Sydney and I decided that I never wanted to work from, for anyone ever again. So I started my own business. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, uh, so, you, I mean, you've been here in the whole startup ecosystem from, you know, 2002, which is around about when I uh, came back too. I mean, it's, it's night and day from how it was. Um, you know, I was even thinking when you were talking about your experience around, you know, launching three businesses in 2005, six. There was just there was no ecosystem around to advise you that that was a dumb idea, uh, whereas now you know you've got all these mentors and smart people who are um, would probably jump in and say, look, why don't you focus? We'll help you around it. We'll help you get some funding. You know, so maybe just your observation of the the evolution of the ecosystem since you've been here. Yeah, it's um, I'm not sure I've got any great observations other than. When, when we raised capital, we had to raise capital. So I'd managed, you know, part of owning three startups concurrently is, um, when something goes wrong, you know, everything goes wrong because you're bootstrapping. I was bootstrapping everything. And so employment innovations was funding employment hero, which funded my investment into KeyPay and power to motivate was profitable some years and lose, loss making other years. It was scary. Like must have looked death in the eye a hundred times. Over five years, maybe not a hundred times, but enough, enough times. Did, did to, you miss payroll at any points? Never miss payroll. Yes. I had one day where, um, I was driving to work and sort of doing the maths in my head. And I realized we didn't have enough for payroll, didn't have enough money for payroll. And I had to call my wife and say, guess what? <laughs> 
we're broke. We don't have enough money like to, to pay people this month. It turned out like, you know, the sort of, um, dodging bullets moments. Like we managed to get enough money in and just made payroll. Um, we used to have like a, a, a graph on the wall that, you know, cash flow and, and, and expenses. And they had to, you know, you, yeah. those two, two lines had to stay where they were. You couldn't cross and we got very close. Anyway. Um, so yeah, we had to raise capital because I ran out of cash. So I'd, I'd done a, a, I'd raised money with partners for growth, a, um, uh, a, 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 what would you call it? A hybrid model where they yeah, it's basically lend venture, you money. Venture debt. Venture debt. Yeah. Which was great. So we, that sort of kept us out of the poo for a while. Cause um, they started here in 2010, 2011. Yep. Yeah, and I think we were probably business, their Vicor. first deal. Yeah. I think we actually were around about the same time because Vicart took money from them too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good guys. And great. Uh, Jason, Jason, Jason Jogardis yeah. is one of my mates. Like he's, yeah. Uh, and yeah. he's still running it. I mean, I think he's globally running the yeah. thing now. So he's done so well. This is a good test as to whether he's listening and he falls Yeah. If he doesn't it. mention yeah. this, so I'm going to be <laughs> yeah. really pissed. Um, no. So we, so we, we, we did venture debt and that was funny because no, there was, they were fresh on the ground. There was the, it was absolutely unique at the moment. Now there's venture debt left, right and center. At least there was before. Yeah, it was six months ago. Who knows what it's like today? Oh no, it's it's just definitely active. I mean, I'm doing a bit of work with Ledger Capital, and yeah, you know, you've got um, One Ventures. It's one yep. of your backers. They've got our uh, venture debt fund too. Yeah, a few. Yep. So um, yeah, so we'd sort of done that, and then we had to raise money for Employment Hero. We realized, I you know realized all too late that a SaaS business is so capital intense. You know, you need a lot of funding to build a lot of revenue. Because it doesn't all come in. It, it takes, it's, it's a aggregation play. You've got to hire the engineers to build the product to yeah, get the money in. It yeah, takes, it's, it's a big gap. You need a lot of capital to get a SaaS business um, big. And so we had to do that, realized we needed a lot more capital, went out to market. And at the time they were like, we, we actually, one of our first in, One Ventures led our first round, but AMP Capital, so a, a corporate venture capital um, business invested in employment hero. I remember that. Yeah. I sat next to you at one of their, uh, the corporate tables at town hall. Yeah. I yeah. Think. That was a while ago. That's right. And so they don't exist anymore. You don't no, see many CVCs. That's yeah. a, an observation that, um, I think they're, they're starting to emerge now. There's a few under the radar that, uh, a lot of people wouldn't have heard of that are coming up. Yeah. I guess ANZ's doing stuff and yeah, reinventure. Um, and Mervac, there's still a few there. You know, Telstra is one of the biggest. Yeah. You know, uh, if you go back and. Yeah, there's there's quite a few now. Probably, yeah, true. Probably a dozen good ones. Yep, and then and then to go out and raise capital, there was only a handful of VC funds. You know, Airtree, yeah, Airtree, Blackbird, Squarepeg, and One Ventures. That was pretty much that it. That was it. Yeah, that uh, would have been right. Yep. Yeah, and and they were early too. You know, like when I first met um, Craig and Daniel Petrie at Airtree, like there the was that was them. Yeah, no, I think they started 2013. Yeah. yeah, I think there was like three of them, and um, yeah, same with Edge, same with One Ventures. Um, you know, Michelle and a couple of other people yeah. had just started their business. So, I, I think I said this recently that it's like we were a startup, but the investors were startups too, and we've all grown up together. And it's been great to watch their success as much as they've helped us achieve our success. It's been great to see them be successful. And, too. and so, so you had AMP and but One Ventures, one of the main backers in the One Ventures, Airtree, and AMP were in our Series A, and then Series, uh, and then Series B or C, um, Seek came in, um, and uh, and that's really been our our, our 
AMP sold um, at Series B or C. Shouldn't have. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible decision. Um, yeah, we they would a hundred hundred bagger if they held on. Um, yeah, and, yeah. What, what? Sorry, I'll come back to that. Keep going. Uh, and then you know, and then as and then what we've you know as we've got bigger, we've now got people like Insight Partners. Um, you know, one of the world's biggest v, private equity VC uh, investors, and and so. They're out of New York, is that right? Yeah, based yeah. out of New York. And um, they've been excellent. But it's really interesting actually to have observed the way that the Australian VC market, which was very immature when they invested in Employment Hero, now when you, I can compare the advice and, and the support that we get from Airtree and One Ventures and compare it to Insight, who's probably the one of the top 10 investors globally, and I tell you what, the Aussie VCs are just as good. Like they are really, they've done a brilliant job scaling up. And I'm really proud that we've got them on our cap table. Yeah. And look, and it's great for the whole ecosystem, what you've done. I mean, I think I read in the, that article that was in the AFR that, you know, you call it dragon. I mean, there's all these dumb names around, uh, you know, startups. So you got unicorn, but a dragon. So a dragon is a company that returns the fund. Uh, and I think Michelle said that you're big enough and successful enough that even if all of their other investments went to zero, they should still return the fund on this one investment. So amazing outcomes, um, which is, which is terrific. I should ask you about what's next. So yeah. Uh, you know, the thing is, it just doesn't get any less exciting. I don't think if I woke up one day and thought this, nothing's going to change, I'd, I'd leave, I'd have to leave because I just can't, I've got self-diagnosed ADHD, but, um, it's yeah, it's got to be exciting. And for me, looking at what Employment Heroes doing now is just as exciting as it's ever been. So we're working on four pillars to the Employment Hero platform: um, talent solutions. So we think that the way that businesses can acquire talent um, needs to be completely revolutionised. So you've for- been spending twenty percent of your salary on a recruiter is not a great <laughs> use of funds. It could be the depends. <laughs> I'm going to put the recruiters down, but you know. no, I mean either. I, I, there's a lot of good recruiters out there, but it just it feels. It, well, you know, the, the observation is like the recruitment market is based on hyper local networking. Yeah, you know, you, you but the world just went remote, and that means you can't be hyper local. That's right. If you're remote, yeah. so you know, businesses that I think should be thinking like, geez, my talent pool is Earth. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, how do I find people on it? Well, there's no easy way today to find people anywhere on earth. There's yeah. job boards that are hyper-local. There's recruiters that are hyper-local. So we're trying to figure out how do we connect our our user base to um, a global talent pool. So that's big. Like yeah, that's, that's massive. Huge. And we've created a thing called Global Teams where we can now employ people on in any country for our clients. And, and it's growing like anything. We've got people, I think just about every country now, like we're employing people all over the world for clients who might be in Australia or New Zealand or the UK. Yeah. Um, so we're changing talent acquisition, then HR, like we're, you know, our platform is, is good. Um, but we can do so much more with technology and, and how we engage and manage people and drive productivity and, and happiness in the workplace. So lots of new things coming there. Payroll, payroll is, you know, 52% of global GDP are the wages that small businesses pay to their staff. Wow. I didn't know that number. Yeah. It's higher than I'd have thought. Yeah. 
Like there is no bigger industry in terms of money flow on earth. Yeah. Wages paid from small businesses to their staff is the biggest pipe of cash that flows around this planet. And what we do is paying people, paying that money. So we are like right in the smack bang in the middle of the biggest flow of funds on the planet. So what can you do with that is, um, is the question. And we're doing lots of innovative things with that. And that leads us to our, our last pillar, which is, um, e-benefits and, and fintech. So we're really starting to think about how can we pay people differently sooner? Um, how can we leverage the $45 billion worth of purchasing power that our platform represents to the benefit of employees? There's 15 years of um, constantly decreasing real wages in westernized countries. People who are paid today, you know, a dollar is worth far less than what a dollar was worth 15 years ago and wages just aren't keeping up. So we see that we have an obligation, almost a a moral obligation to make employees better off by leveraging the purchasing power that we have at our disposal. And, um, and I won't go into exactly what we're doing, but we're shortly going to, uh, be making some big moves in that space too. So yeah, very, very exciting times for employment hero and keypay. Yeah. Was that four or was that three? That was four. So I, so talent, HR, Payroll and benefits. I got it. Sorry. Yeah, I got the I got the fourth one. Uh, Lou, that's amazing. I, I love it. Um, we should geek out in space for a little bit here. So I, I, I ran a, uh, a YPO event uh, last year, uh, and we you know we did it a deep dive into space, and we had Marcus House, who's a YouTuber, uh, talks about SpaceX a lot. We had one of the guys from Rocket Lab, um, and the head of the space agency in South Australia, and you were on it. On the call, and I'm like, ah, oh, Ben Thompson, I know that guy. So I think I pinged you afterwards, and you're like, yeah, I fucking love space. Uh, it's amazing. You're wearing a SpaceX hat. I always wear a SpaceX hat. Yeah, I've got to get myself one because it's pretty cool, uh, and I'm feeling inadequately space geeky. Why do you love space? Uh, you're, you're a closet astronaut, or want to be an astronaut? Uh, no, I actually never wanted to be an astronaut. I've, um, you and I both. Uh, I mean. You may not have had the TV show where you grew up, but here in Australia, we had a show called um, Towards the Year 2000. And then as the year 2000 drew nearer, it became Beyond the Year 2000. I think it was on a Sunday night and it was like the best of the best. It was the, it was my favorite part of the week, just watching news about new technology, evolving technology and what was possible, what we could do, how the world could change with new technology. So I've just always been addicted to learning about what's possible with technology and obviously what SpaceX are doing um, to make humans an interplanetary species and the the way that Elon Musk is capable of thinking from first principles and applying first principles to solving multi-planetary problems is, is like it's like getting to watch beyond the year 2000 every day um, and it's so inspiring I wear that. I wear this hat frequently, almost every day. I've got, and if you you know me, I've, if anyone that knows me knows, that I've got lots of spacey type related hats, because it reminds me that, you know, what we're doing is global. Well, we're thinking about how do we help every employer on Earth, but we don't. And but if if he, if Elon Musk and others can think about interplanetary problems then solving planetary problems becomes quite digestible. So it's kind of like just giving perspective to the fact that what we're doing is easy compared to what other people are doing. And that makes me feel inspired. Yeah. 
Um, and, I, and I love the way that it's such a big ambition, you know, so let's get a million humans to Mars is basically what he's trying to do. But then everything else he does cascades down from that. Yep. And if, if you're not sure what to do, you kind of refer it back to, well, is this going to help with the, the major problem of getting people to Mars? So the whole spaceship development, you know, fully reusable orbital, massive orbital spacecraft, uh, Starlink, you know, the, the, the world's internet connectivity to anyone. I mean, they're all designed in order to, you know, produce the solution. You know, with Starlink, I think it's around money, you know, yeah. because of that's going to be a lot of cash for them. But the spaceship development itself is just going to be, or Starship development itself is extraordinary. I mean, yeah. Have you been? No, I, I haven't. Yeah, you haven't. I, I, you were there recently. No, well, yeah, I went to Hawthorne. Uh, so we were in LA and we had to drive to Palm Springs and I looked at the map and Hawthorne was in the way. So we just popped in and uh, we didn't get a tour or anything. We didn't have time, but we took a photo in front of the the Falcon booster and yeah. it was very cool. No, it's it's on my bucket list. I, I um. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll come to it, but I spent a lot, a lot of time keeping up to date with everything Tesla and SpaceX, and um, you must own a Tesla. But have you got your name down for a Cybertruck yet? I've got my name down for everything. Yeah, I'm on my <laughs> third Tesla, and I think I've got a, a reservation for everything that you can possibly reserve. You can't reserve the Model Y yet, so right. I'm waiting for the moment that you can reserve the Model Y. And when do you think my wife says there's no way on earth you're driving a Cybertruck? <laughs> um, can you imagine in Sydney streets, like oh, even I'd in our it. street? I don't think we'd even be able to get it out the driveway. Uh, like Andrea wants one. I, I'm loving it. She piped up <laughs> and said, I think we should get one of them. It's oh like, my god, I haven't put my name down yet. You need, I need Andrea to speak to um, to Kaz my wife um yeah and and you know even even the the way the neuro the neuro neuralink and uh autonomous driving and the way the advances that they're making in neural networks and autonomy you know, and dojo like the supercomputer that they've that they've yeah. built and uh, the boring company and the yeah boring city. company it's not are that exciting yet? I get it. Yeah, it's boring. I, I get yeah, it. is boring. That's why it's named that. But um, but yeah, Tesla and all of the cutting edge stuff that they're doing, SpaceX and Starlink and all the cutting edge stuff that they're doing. It's it, you, you get a little taste of that every day in your life, and it gives you um, gives you the energy and the enthusiasm and the balls to do big things. Like my advice to anyone is like. Find something that's like scary that someone else is doing. Get in, and and it'll give you the 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 juice to go out and do something else that you find scary. Like, and would you go to Mars? No. Would you go to the moon? Yeah, I'd like. To, yeah, I, I wouldn't right, want well, to live I'll there. I'll do that too. But you, like you and I should take a trip. Let's, yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. It. I reckon I'd definitely so I a side bet with someone in ten years uh, for two hundred grand. You'll be able to take a trip to the moon. What do you think? Yeah, I'd do that for sure. I've got a side bet with somebody that a child will be, this is why I attended that event because I was trying to get the inside scoop on this bet that I've got with my cousin, Josh, um, which is, um, I won't say what the, what the wager is, but it's large, but, um, a child will be on, be born on Mars before 2050 or by 2050. I reckon I'm in with a pretty good shot. He reckons I've got zero chance. <laughs> what if one of you dies before that? Like, what happens oh, to the yeah, that's written into it. So oh, it is um, written in. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, the, the bet is um, erased if one of us doesn't make it to 2050 <laughs> <laughs> for our family's sake. I oh, love it. Uh, all right. I'm looking at my notes here. I think we've covered most things. Is there any, like, what else did we want to touch on before we jump to the quick fire? Right? Anything else you want to talk about around? The business or like if, if someone's listening and 
you want to tell them about something, what would you say? Look, um, if you're listening and you're an employer, I know how it feels. It's, it, it's, it's scary. You know, you're often on your own. If you get employment wrong, you could well end up on the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald or The Age who loves to crucify employers for making mistakes. Or in jail. Or in jail. Um, I know exactly how you feel and I feel like the whole planet – has the handbrake on because employers are feeling petrified about being employers. And we are, what we're doing here at Employment Hero is trying to create, or we are creating a platform that should take that handbrake away. It should take the anxiety out of being an employer. We're here to make you feel confident and proud about every job you can possibly create. And if we can be successful in helping you and other businesses feel better about being an employer, then the whole planet will be a different place where people are confident about growing companies and offering quality employment opportunities. And as I said, 99% of businesses on earth are SMEs just like you. 90, sorry, 70% of all jobs on earth are the jobs that you provide, small businesses provide to people. It's how wealth is created. It's how people move up in the world. Being an employer is the most important job you can do. And my job is to make it easier for you. Yeah, great. And you must be employing or recruiting as well. Are you got a calling oh, for that? Yeah, constantly recruiting. So jobs.employmenthero.com, <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> Just come to employmenthero.com and I'm sure there's a, uh, a link to our recruitment page. But yeah, we've got um, probably over 50 roles open globally. Probably a lot more than that, actually. And do you think about that? Like Sydney or like, have you got a location that goes with any of those roles? Or no, we're remote first. As I said, like smart people now realize that um, – uh, since the, the the best thing about coronavirus was that it removed geography as a constraint to employment, and when you remove geography as a constraint, like a, a first principles type constraint to employment, then the entire earth is your talent pool. And and so, why would you recruit for somebody in Sydney when you could recruit from anywhere? No, it's so true. Um, you know, it's a challenge for people. Like you know, I remember chatting to. Uh, a good startup in Perth that said we used to have the pick of the bunch and then Canvan Atlassian and everyone else was like, yeah, you can work from anywhere. They're now competing with them and I'm sure yeah. you as well. So yeah. it's, uh, it's hard. Yeah, really talent. hard. Um, all right, Ben, look, congrats on the progress with uh, the business. Amazing story. Love it. And we should definitely do that moon trip uh, within the next 10 years. Uh, should we jump to your quick fire round? Get sure. some of your uh, thoughts and recommendations. So favorite book or recommended book? Favorite book of all time is um, "Long Walk to Freedom" by the the, the story of um, uh, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Uh, I just and, and also the um, Gandhi biography. They're probably the two favorite books. Like inspiring leaders change the world. Um, and is that your, your fiction? Sorry, nonfiction versus fiction. Uh, well, nonfiction probably. Um, I shouldn't admit this, but. Um, Hunter S. Thompson is always a, <laughs> always one of my favorite. Although you could argue his was his nonfiction as well. Although I think um, uh, Vegas, um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, has a lot more fiction than than reality to it. I hope. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's like I'm, I've I, for the, for for decades I would read as many books as possible. Then I started listening to as many books as possible. And I've found over the last five years, maybe more, is that the quality of podcasts, particularly this one, um, <laughs> is you. so good that I can't 
justify not listening to as many podcasts as I possibly can just to listen to one book. Because yeah. I find like the idea is kind of come, you know, particularly in a nonfiction book, you get across it pretty quickly. And so, but every podcast has new ideas. So now I'm just like this ra- rabid consumer of podcasts. Yeah. The last guest I had in the show, uh, Duncan Anderson, said he listens to some podcasts in six times speed. Is that, I don't know whether that's feasible, but have you tried that? So you get a minute and 10 seconds. Pretty astonishing. Yeah, no, I can't listen to them that quick. I can do one and a half times. Yeah. I don't I think, think it works with Scottish. I think six times, <laughs> I think six times is just, you must, have a, you must be a smart dude uh, or something. I think I, I didn't actually ask him this, but you, you can't do anything else. You've got to just close your eyes and just concentrate. Like you yeah. believe in that. No, so. yeah. I don't know. I quite like doing multitasking. So if you're driving or walking somewhere, taking the dog out, listen to podcasts. I mean, it's just great use of time. Yeah. In fact, that brings us on to what are your recommended podcasts? My favorite one at the moment is um, the All In podcast. I don't know if you've listened to it or watched it on YouTube. Really? Oh my God. It's so good. It's um, so Chamath, Poly- oh, I can't, I'm going to crucify his surname, Chamath. Um, David Sachs, who's the founder of Yammer oh, and David, uh, Jason Calacanis. Jason Calacanis. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and David Fried, Fried, Friedberg. Um, all brilliant. Maybe Jason's not as brilliant as the other three, yeah, but, um, I doubt he's listening, <laughs> but they are brilliant and they're, you know, they've, um, they're wankers. They're complete tosses, like, um, in a lovable way. But they've all, they've all been incredibly successful in business and they think from first principles and they think global and they, 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 every Friday night, they do a one hour podcast and it's like someone handing you this like incredibly valuable resource where four super smart people digest all of what's happening around the world from a technology business perspective. And you get to sit in and listen to this conversation. Like it's just, it's the most engaging podcast I've listened to or watched on YouTube. Um, I look forward to it every week. I'm literally pulling my phone out to add it to my, my list. Uh, it's, it's, it's head and shoulders above most things. You have to accept that they are kind of wankers, but, um, yeah, <laughs> lovable wankers. Actually, there's a uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight podcasts called All In. So make oh. sure you pick the right one. Yeah. <laughs> There's 71 episodes. I know that much. Yeah. Um, all right, let's keep going. Um, do you have a recommended news source? Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I, I read, um, you know, I read the AFR, the Australian, Sydney Morning Herald. I skim them all every day, every morning. But I, I actually think that things like um, Reddit and uh, – um, feeds like that are much better. Like if you can get a lot of news sources consolidated and digest them quickly, um, it gives you a broader perception of everything going on. So yeah, I would never just read one newspaper and think that's everything. I think I, I, um, I was born with an insatiable need to fill my head with as much new information every single day as I possibly can. And it's like, I, I, I'm listening to a podcast uh, when I fall asleep. It's very unromantic. I'm so sorry to my <laughs> wife. But, um, yeah, it's like I need every minute of the day to digest new information. So I, there's no one source of information that I think is better than 
everything. No, oh, that's great. That's a good answer. Um, productivity tool. You're a busy man. What do you do use to stay productive? Uh, you know, I live on Slack. You know, it's a great tool. Um, you know, I can be through one app. I can be in all of my businesses, my board, like everything. Just It's just the most it's the best way to stay across so many things. Um, so yeah, Slack, it's a great tool. It's great for productivity, employment hero, um, equally, yeah. um, very important. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so that was the correct answer. That was the, it should have been the first one. Uh, do you have a favorite TV show? I don't know whether you get time for that, but. I, uh, no, not really. I'm just trying to think. There's- you can, you can answer YouTube. Yeah. YouTube for sure. So, Marcus House, who you mentioned before, um, uh, David, um, oh gosh, there's just so many great YouTubers around technology, SpaceX, um, Tesla, um, everything going on in the world. And so, yeah, whenever I get the TV to myself, I almost inevitably put on YouTube and just start digesting Podcasts, or what are they called? Vodcasts, I guess. No, I don't know. I just call it YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) So much great great content. So many passionate, smart people who are committing their lives to sharing great knowledge through YouTube. Like, take the, make it, make the most of it. It's free. And it's so niche. I mean, I play squash, which is like kind of this old white guy sport, but. Squash TV on YouTube. Oh my God. You can go down a rabbit hole and watch squash all day. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Sailing too. Like, there's so many great sailing shows. There's just too much content, not enough time. Uh, do you have a favorite app? Employment Hero. <laughs> okay, non-work related <laughs> app. Um, no, I don't think I do. I mean, I've, I've just- Music? You like music? You love music. Yeah, I'm always on Spotify. Um, so Spotify over Apple? Yeah, I've kind of, I've got both. I, I pay for both, but I end up using Spotify more because I can put it in my Tesla. Right, got um, it. And the, the kids wanted- Spotify, so we got the family account. Yeah. So I kind That's of good value. Yeah, yeah. They kind of won Spotify won me over. Um love music. You know, love and what's the wish in your most played playlist? So lots of Alt J, um, who are an English band, Radiohead, all that sort of indie indie rock. I'm a kid, I'm a child Cold of the nineties. You know, I grew up in the nineties. It was, you yeah. know, Triple J's hottest one hundred all the way. There you go. Um yeah, I'll never get away from that. That indie indie rock. Oh, that's cool. And uh, tech CEO, who do you respect out there? Uh, I mean, Elon Musk by far. Um, uh, there's there's a there's a lot of good people around. Um, what are the Aussies? Is it Mike and Scott and Mel and Cliff, or you got any anyone down below that exalted tier? Uh, look, I, you know, I've known Mike and Scott more Scott. Um, through their careers, they're brilliant. Like they've done such a good job, and you know what? They've carried. No, I've got to say that they deserve the credit. They are. They are not just incredibly capable, but they are so committed to building this ecosystem and helping Australia. They're, they're become, great humans. Yeah, they're just great yeah. humans, and they put so much of their time and effort into making the world a better place and making the Australian, you know, startup community more successful. Like. Just throw everything at helping people. Really, really good people. Yeah. No, that's great. I think that's, those are good answers. Love it. Uh, last question, Ben. Um, if you were asked to do a TED talk, what would you talk about? I'd talk about the benefits of remote employment. I believe what I call it, I call it the remote work revolution. And I believe that remote work allows 
more people to participate in the online economy, which is obviously the, the, the becoming the largest economy in the world, if not already the largest economy in the world. But we, again, when you take away geography as a constraint to employment, parents, carers, people with disabilities, people living with disabilities, um, people living in rural and remote areas can all um, start to participate in the on- online economy. They were all excluded until two years ago, largely. And so now you, you can just, it's just so much more inclusive and equitable to have all these people involved. And when you think about what's going on with Starlink and the fact that the earth is being surrounded by a network of broadband internet that anyone can, can tap into, look at what's happening in Ukraine at the moment. Um, there are 3 billion people on earth who still don't have the internet. Now that's going to change in the next five years. And so the remote work revolution could lift more people out of poverty by helping them participate on the, in the online economy than the industrial revolution did. So I think we're on the cusp of something far greater than the industrial revolution that is going to lift more people out of poverty and allow more creativity and innovation than we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, that's what I would be talking about. Yeah, I love it. I think that's uh, that's a great place to to stop. I mean, Ben, thank you, and, and thanks for everything you do. I mean, it's just I love stories like this because it's you know um, hardworking, talented Aussies just you know pulling the themselves and their companies up uh, to a pretty amazing position. So. Thanks, uh, Yeah, no, well done. And look, thanks uh, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My uh, pleasure. And thank, mate, thanks man. for everything you're doing too. This show, your commitment to your portfolio, to your fund, to all the work you've done in the past through AWS and helping businesses oh, that's um, great. become I feel more like successful. We should have a hug or something now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's go and have a group hug. Or well, maybe just go and um, talk about space a bit yeah, more. But, yeah, well, yeah, yeah let's thank that. you very much for everything you're doing yeah, too, appreciate mate. it. Appreciate well, thank it. you. And thanks for, all, for listening. And uh, we'll see you in the next one.